You made a mistake, my friend. No astronaut would enter the capsule carrying his air conditioner. Remove his helmet. James Bond, allow me to introduce myself. I am Ernst Stavro Blofeld. They told me you were assassinated in Hong Kong. Yes, this is my second life. You only live twice, Mr. Bond. Sean Connery's fifth Bond outing, You Only Live Twice, starring Mie Hammer, Tatsura Tamba, Karen Dor, and Donald Pleasance, directed by Lewis Gilbert, and released in 1967. Yeah, so, Sean, Sean Connery's in it as well. Sean Con- yeah, Sean Connery's in it too, don't forget. Why would you think I'm related to Dave? <laughs> <laughs> I did tell you, Sean Connery's fifth outing is Bond. Oh yeah, you did. Like, yeah, alright, okay. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, I'm leaving that in. So, <laughs> good job, good job. Good what do we job. Think of the Japanese adventure. <laughs> Bond goes to Tokyo. Is it Tokyo? Have I just started? I've, I've got that right. I know it is Tokyo. I'm not just sound completely racist. With it that is now. No, it does go to Tokyo. Yeah. <laughs> good. Um... <laughs> you can see Tokyo Tower in the background when he's driving in the uh, in Aki's um, Toyota 2000. You can immediately tell us all about that car, can't you, Chris? Because you're a big car guy. Uh, what? <laughs> <laughs> I took the point of learning about that car for this episode specifically. I, <laughs> I, and, I, and I made a deliberate point of really not giving a care in whatsoever. So, <laughs> so, so what do we reckon? Do you only live twice? Uh, oh, should I go first? Okay. Um, yeah, you only live twice. I, again, I really, really enjoyed you only live twice. Um, it has a lot to like about it. It, it looks gorgeous it's a fantastic score um it is probably the part where connery starts to get a little bored should we say uh but he is still good i think um but th- there are some issues within the film uh which i think we'll get into uh but as it stands i think it's a really good entry i think it's probably the weakest we've covered so far. I've watched it twice in the lead-up to this, um, not because he lives twice in the film, but because we postponed our original recording slot. So it had been about 10 days since I saw it, so I watched it again just prior to, to recording tonight. And it's a lot more entertaining than I remember. Um, I, I would say that. I, w- I was never particularly bored. Um, Connery's better in it than I remember in terms of how engaged he is with his performance, but he is starting to look seriously out of shape. 
And there's there's two scenes in particular, two fight scenes, which I think we'll get to that it really shows him up quite badly. And I don't know how much of that's him and how much of it's the way it's directed and edited. See, I didn't notice anything about the the fight scenes. I thought it was pretty solid in that respect. But I do get what you mean. It's it's kind of odd because, you know, at times it's like you can tell Corey's heart's not in it, but then at certain moments you think, oh, well, he, he, he does a really, really good job. So it's like, it's, it's kind of like he he's kind of humming and harming himself, going like, can I be bothered? Yeah, I can be. Uh, I'm not too sure now. Yeah, it's really okay. Down, yeah, isn't it? It's really sporadic. It's yeah, it's probably well, isn't he one of his one of his worst so far. As he kind of, as he was I'm threatening to quit before they even started filming. Yeah, definitely. And there was a last Side minute. Uh, there was a last minute sort of adjustment to his salary. To, <laughs> An extra million dollars. <laughs> well, it, it wasn't quite that much. And so, so you suggesting much. that maybe the scenes were where well, he's not so good are before he had his pay raise. No, no, no. Before he even went to film, he was uh, threatening to quit. They offered him, I believe, I haven't independently verified this, but I, I do um, believe they offered him points on the film's profits to keep him involved. Um, and then, of course, he gets to Japan and is immediately swamped by fans everywhere he goes. I wonder um, if that's what did it, because obviously by this point in his career, he was a superstar anyway. So and obviously, kind of it reached new heights with sort of the Japanese fans. So it's like a whole new level of you know something obviously you've not experienced before. Maybe well, that's what pushed him over the edge. Perhaps I don't know. Well, as well, they, I mean, at one point was it on the commentary or one of the, the extras that um, he de- he demanded uh, bodyguards to keep him. Yeah, safe. and the bodyguards yeah, mobbed him. <laughs> yeah, the bodyguards mobbed him as well. <laughs> He's an absolute superstar, and he just starts getting to the point where. He's not even interested in looking the part as Bond. Uh, you know, I mean, he's, he's overweight. How much of that was um, because of the late negotiations? You know, he wasn't doing it and then he was and maybe didn't get into shape. But also you can see extras on the film where he strolled him around quite happily without his wig on, which uh, with the way Eon were in those days, you've always got to look like Bond. You've always got to be professional. We, we come yeah, to this next week with Lazenby's attitude. Um, he doesn't want to be there. And the the very fact that they went there to a country where he was perpetually mobbed won't have helped. No. Yeah, I think that was probably one of the main deciding factors in it. You see, I don't think he was particularly out of shape, well, at least not to my eyes. I just He just looked a bit older. Yeah, you know. that's the same. I wouldn't say he's like, he's not like, he hasn't got to the stage of Diamonds of Forever yet where he clearly is wanting to have a bit of a... He's gained know, a lot of weight. weight. But he still looks good. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd still buy him. I mean, I'd, I'd, I don't particularly notice the weight gain. I just notice, like, oh, he's just like a slightly older looking Connery, which yeah. is to be expected, really. Fair enough. It's 1967, you know. Yeah, yeah, so. It's two years from the last one as well. So it, they have, in some respects, he's, he stepped off the treadmill, literally and figuratively, that, that they were pretty much always filming Bond before. Mm. He's had time to go off and, and do other yeah, things. Yeah, he's had a bit of a break in between now, hasn't he? Yeah, and. Um, I mean, the, the two scenes I, I really notice it in is when he first goes to Asato Chemicals um, playing injured and he gets into that fight and he's, he's in quite a state afterwards. He's very sweaty. Yeah, he's and he looks at himself you. in the mirror as he's downing Japanese vodka. And you can almost see him like, it's almost like the meta-narrative is, Christ, look what I've turned into. It's like, jeez. And it really shows up as well. And I think some of this is, is editing. It shows up in the fight with hands near the end. That, I mean, first off, he walks straight onto a punch. That, that's just bizarrely edited. I mean, he just walks face first into a punch. But, it, 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 you know, 
I was watching that and I couldn't help but think of the Red Grant fight. Now, not everything's going to match that, but I, I just thought this is the same guy only four years later. It's amazing it's what strange, four years it? do. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing what a short gap can do. But I don't. I, I like. I, I like the, the the fist fights in this, particularly in the in the first half. I mean, I think like I think a lot of pe- lot of popular opinion is that uh, everyone's favorite bit is volcano bit. But I really enjoyed the, the first bit where he's kind of investigating the the company and getting you know, like he's sneaking around the offices and getting into fist fights with you know sumo wrestlers and whatnot. But it's quite actually well done. I quite I quite like that kind of those That's, parts. Yeah, it's quite a brutal fist fight, isn't it? When he's kind of yeah. infiltrating Masato and. Mm. That's because it's there's something there's a link between the the fight the, the guy that he fights and the rock because it like his grandfather or something like that. But he's a kind of known you know wrestler, but it's really quite a brutal fist fight. It is, and and it's a good excuse for him to break out a samurai sword and try. <laughs> I yeah, quite, no, quite enjoyed that. You know, when he's training with the samurais as well. Mm. That's you know, with the, um, with the ninjas even. <laughs> the ninja training base, I love. <laughs> yeah, that's one of my, like, the best scenes in the whole movie at the ninja training camp. So cool. Yeah, but he didn't really need to turn Japanese. I did oh, understand. We'll get, we'll get there. Actually, I think once they get to the ninja camp, I don't like the film as much after that. I mean, the, I mean, the, 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 there's another thing which I think was completely unnecessary, and I'm not sure why they even did it. But uh, well, I suppose we get to that a bit later on when as we get into the film's plot. But good um, thing I think it has a good strong opening. It's like a spy investigation. Um, yeah, I kind of, I kind of, I kind of like it. It's got, it's got a, it, it, I mean, the first half of this film, apart from Connery not being in shape, it bothered me more than it bothered you, Chris. I think, um, I think it, it's, it's really solid, but it just starts to, the whole thing starts. I mean, this is where the Bond phenomenon starts to sort of calm down. Not so much in Japan, but um, <laughs> it's got a half a million more on its budget from last week, so it's, it's comfortably a, a very big budget. But it takes thirty million less than last week. Thunderball comes in at about one hundred and forty-one. This comes in at about one hundred and eleven, and twenty million of that drop is the U.S. box office. So, so what do you think went wrong then? Or do you think you think like they just had a gap and like you know shit cooled down with popularity? Because it must it still would have done well. It's quite a topical film as well. Because obviously you had the sort of 67 was like the height of the space race between. America and Russia as well, so it's very politically relevant at the time. I, I'm not quite sure what went wrong. I don't know if it's I don't know, but wrong. It was still a massive hit. Yeah, such a particular well, yeah. drop. Um, I wonder if it was because a lot of the drop was the U.S. market. And we're only 20 years after World War Two. I wonder if it's the Japanese angle. I don't know. Mm. Um, I, I I don't know that. Casino Royale came out the same year, so there's a bit of a split of attention there. Oh, yeah. Oh, dear. Uh, and, yeah, we've had two years since the last Bond film. So, you know, all phenomena start fading away at some point, I, I guess. But the other thing, is, of course, is Sean Connery quit during filming. So we're going to have the same problem next week, that you've got a, you're promoting a film where the leading man has openly said he doesn't want to do it anymore. Yeah, I, I suppose that's probably where it lies. I, I'm, I'm guessing because it is quite like a glamorous-looking film, and it's quite ambitious. I mean, the opening shot is in space. It's like it's like right. Well, Bond's now gone into that area, and um, and I, I do the, the the bit I always find like 
kind of scary with the idea of that poor guy getting like just cut off and lost in space. Awful, isn't it? Oh my god. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I kind of, it's one of the things where I hope he died instantly from that because that would just be horrible. Terrifying. But <laughs> yeah. having said that, it's like. Yeah, why did he not move quicker? I mean, it's like, <laughs> he's there like, it's coming straight for us. Get in. It's Wait, coming straight for us. Well, get in, you idiot. Get back in. <laughs> yeah, because they're just brought back in in prison. They're not killed. Yeah. It's like, well, yeah. But it's like, he's, he's just like, that's still dangling. I'm still alive. And he's like, oh, look. Oh, no. No. Now nah, you're just in space. But yeah, we're, we're in space and then we're in the Far East. Uh, beautiful score over this actually I love the score to this film I must say uh, yeah, this is one of my favourite John Barry scores oh, it's fantastic. Mm-hmm. So, I love it but yeah we've got the opening sequence and you can just again you can do it is the end of that sort of first cycle of bloat before we get the sort of purge next week but um, it, this film feels expensive to me well, so travelling to you know locate uh, location as far flung as as Tokyo from obviously somewhere like you're going to say space <laughs> some space yeah exactly mm. but, but um, I I I love I love the beginning bit because I love how after like the the US um um uh, I was gonna say um what what's the correct word I want to say like spaceship but it's not right <laughs> rocket Rockets? yeah well yeah. Let's call it a rocket. Uh, the the uh, US space rocket gets... Um, shuttle? Yes. Gets, yeah, US space shuttle no, gets captured. Shuttle. Anyway, don't matter. Go on. It's... Yeah, we'll go on. Uh, <laughs> get, gets captured and then like, there's, you've got USA uh, arguing Russia going like, like, like you, 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 you kidnapped our, uh, our space shuttle and they're like, no, no, we're a peace of crew. We, we, we didn't do it. And it's the Brits going Russia's like... Russia's a peaceful country. Yeah, and there's Russia <laughs> going, well, actually... We don't believe that's a really case. We like our our sources uh, came from Japan, and right now, so I suggest, I suggest that uh, you look over. It. So basically, I loved how from the beginning it's showing that British intelligence are kind of with it, and kind of like um, we don't agree. <laughs> <laughs> kind of in a really kind of like smoking a pipe, going really relaxed. I'm just gonna let you argue for a bit, and then I'll step in, and go like, actually, you're kind of wrong. <laughs> We're kind of right. The British man in the world. Is and, well. I, 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 yeah, yeah, very yeah. And and, and and you know what? I tell you what, we'll send our best man. We'll sort it out for you. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. Actually, he's on the job right now. <laughs> <laughs> this, the humour does take a step, a slight step to the sillier in this one, because um, when Bond is in bed with a Japanese lady, who Ling, yeah, she's in Casino Royale, by the way. Yeah, she is. She appears on the on the ship um, with Le Chief. Mm, yeah, I, I, I do love her line. It's so funny. She's like, "Darling, I give you a very best duck," and it's like, "Oh, cringe." <laughs> Classic Bond line. <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> but then he's shot, and it's like he died on the job. He'd have wanted it that way. <laughs> that's a Roger Moore era joke. <laughs> yeah, sliding towards the Roger Moore scale there, I think. And uh, he's yeah, he's proper bleeding. It must it must be some sort of blood pack or something. But I just imagine audiences going into that film. Obviously, it's called You Only Live Twice. Mm. Um, but you, you probably wouldn't know, like you know, the show kind of poetry of it. But yeah, imagine mm. audiences being in there, nineteen sixty-seven. I think, oh, you know, they killed James Bond. Oh my god, you know, They're quite shocking. I, 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 I kind of had that uh, feeling when I first watched it at a mate's house on on VHS, right? Good off TV, of course. Um, and it was, and I had that kind of well, not sort of like shocked, just like confused, like what? So Bond's dead? So yeah, what's, going on, what's yeah, that kind of. Alright, oh, right, so he's coming back. Like, so, um, but yeah, I asked that kind of, what? 
what, what, really? What, what's going on? What the hell? That's yeah, it. It's, it's, it's quite what? serious. I've, I've got a little quote in front of me. Obviously, you didn't live twice. Once when you were born, and once when you looked death in the face. So it's quite. It's, it's very deadly, isn't it? It's quite, it's quite ominous. So yeah, it's quite shocking. But that was more the book's theme, wasn't it? Because it was. Yeah, no, definitely. It was a, it was a figurative death. Oh, for sure, definitely. Um, but then also, like, also, the book and the film are so, wildly so, different. First so, one to do that, deviate hugely. Yeah. So what? Yeah, sure. So. While we're talking about the book, why? I mean, I've not read it, so I'm taking you guys have. Uh, why... uh, no, I've had to read a synopsis of it. There's a handful of books at the end I've not read. Okay, I've read about as far as okay. Do, do I, we... I've read it, but a while ago. <laughs> do do we? Uh, okay, in the series of books, Mag- um, you know, twice follows Magicies. So why yes. did why did the books kind of reverse that? Uh, locations. Be... Trying to find locations. It was going to go originally. It was going to go after Goldfinger, mm. Magicies. Um, don't want to talk too much about Majesties because it's next week's. But the shifting schedule was was all about um, it was all about tr- finding right locations at the right time of the year. Most of this was filmed in the summer, so snowy scenes, you know, Majesties. But yeah, it was just it was just a better fit to do this now. And of course, they threw out the story and and handed handed. We'll, we'll get to the formula, but they they handed. The script. This is the first one we don't have Richard Maybaum. No. This is written by Roald Dahl. Classic children's author. I wondered where that BFG came from. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes, and the marvellous medicine they gave. <laughs> uh, but, yeah. Uh, and a car with a funny name. But they, they gave him, and I have seen this before, this wasn't on the special features this time, but they gave him the formula. They basically told him to write to a formula. Yeah, well, there's three women, one of them is the enemy, and then there's one that's like a sacrificial lamb, and I think he kind of messed that bit up. We'll get to we'll get to that a bit later yeah, on. Yeah, because it made no um, sense plot wise to have it. It's just um, yeah, structurally in how a Bond girl is introduced and the reasoning behind it. Kissy Suzuki's structured structurally the worst inserted until Christmas Jones. Um, <laughs> because yeah, I mean we'll get, we must come back to Bond girls as we go through the the plot, but. Yeah, Roald Dahl writes this, and it kind of most of the the things that aren't right with it are at a script level. In the books, as far as we know, does James Bond turn Japanese? Um, as far I don't remember, I don't remember reading any allusion to that. I, I, I it just, but I, I, I don't know what it is. And out of all my watches for it, I always missed the part. So, what was the reason for him to turn? I it just, I just doesn't like. Why does he have to? Look like he's <laughs> literally to get into that village. Yeah, to, to get into the village, obviously he's got to kind of marry a hammer diving girl and sort of become Japanese, as it were. But like the book's completely different. Um, obviously he's um, getting revenge after you know he murders Tracy, and he's kind of visits Doctor Shatterhand's Garden of Death, which is like on a on a remote island in Japan, and it's just completely wildly different from the film. Mm-hmm. But yeah, from and, and, he, and, and he, he kills he kills to come to Japan. <laughs> He kills Blofeld halfway through it as well. It does, That's yeah. It's pretty much yeah. short and sweet. So. And, uh, and yeah, and then he, uh, I, I think, I think he's Suzuki pregnant. Yeah. Oh right. Okay. Um, but doesn't he have like? Doesn't he nearly get killed? And that's why he kind of like loses his memory. And that's does that lead on to yeah, Man with the Golden does, Gun? He does, yeah. he does end up basically, as I as I understand it. Please, those of you listening who know the books better, feel free to correct me because I haven't read the book and. Becca hasn't read the book for a few years, but yeah, I mean, he ends up basically in the hands of the Russians, and they 
sort of reprogram him effectively, yes. But that's not in this book. That's where he turns up in the next book. But yeah, doesn't know who he is. So that's a good plot device for Phil. I don't know. It's a shame they didn't never use that. Isn't this the first book published after Ian Fleming's death? Mm, I think it no, might be. Was it the last one that he was able to do? There's a couple that were posthumous because I know the man with the golden gun was. I think that was the first posthumous one, as far as Is I understand. Okay. So, anyone listening, please correct us. Yeah. But, yeah, but so I do that, think Golden Gun was the first posthumous one. I so think. Yeah, there's there's no faked death or anything. The, the, the whole death is figurative, you know, yeah. from, from, you know, the, sure. from kind the of, loss of Tracy. and To kind of fit the title, I suppose. It's like, oh, well, you have to fake his own death to kind of make the uni live twice. I mean, it's, it's a nice little payoff with Blofeld towards the end anyway. It's like, um, it's like you only live twice, Mr. Bond, and kind of like a really kind of humorous kind of... You only live twice, Mr. Bond, and a creepy voice. Yeah. Terrifying. It's a good job he does smoke in this film, actually. It won't be the Well, he it, it, it saves the day, you know, because he has that fancy little gun cigarette, doesn't he? That's what I mean, yeah. yeah. It's, it's much harder just, to like, build to into a nicotine patch. That's it, exactly. There's a scene towards the end where he shoots the cigarette. Why doesn't he shoot it at Blofeld at that point? He's got, you know... <laughs> well, no, well... The, yeah, but the, the, thing, the thing is, though, he's, he's thinking about the mission. It's like, he, he has to shoot at the guy to get at the controls to open it to let everyone else in. So he's yeah, like, true. if he if he shot Blofeld, it would have wasted his yeah, he would have killed Blofeld, but it would have too easy. <laughs> it, but the plan probably would have the rocket. Yeah, he wouldn't have. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or you you would have a better chance of stopping everything and you know so. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but that's at the other end of the film. Yes. Anyway, <laughs> like we've gone straight from the beginning to right the very end. Right, so right, so yeah, Bond uh, fakes his own death. Um, for what did he do the title sequence? Oh, the title sequence. Love the song. Yeah, it is a classic Bond tune, uh, and it's it's one of the most iconic, I think. Yeah, I'd go along with that. I would. Yeah, definitely. We've got Robert, Robbie Williams referencing it in Millennium, his track, you know. So it's definitely iconic, I think, for sure. But I think this, um, this title sequence is a little bit different, because you've obviously got... It's more... Um, I like how, like, the, the blood splatter on the bed kind of, like, opens up, like, the... Uh, I, I don't know what... Like the like, what what's the correct word? Is it like the kind of like? It's like a parasol, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. kind of parasol opens up. Yeah. yeah, kind of opens up like that, and you kind of it matches really well, and it just looks absolutely beautiful. And the and the and the, there aren't many Morris Binder. I mean, I, I, I whilst fully acknowledging his impact on the series, mm. there aren't many Morris Morris Binder sequences I actually like very much. Um, this one's all right. That's all it's I can say. It's not very Bindu-ish, is it? It's kind of you've got you haven't got like the the naked girls. You've got all the geishas, but it's mainly kind of the backdrop of um, the volcanoes exploding, and kind of geisha girls doing very deep bows. It's actually one of the few bits of the film that looks a little cheap. I think oh. it's it, you know lava stock footage and stuff. It's that's it. I must say it's, it's quite chaste as well. I must say in terms of there's not enough tits in it for you, Becca. <laughs> well. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say that, Dave. <laughs> you, you, you guys. You what, what was that? Oh, too late. <laughs> you can make count. I'm, you know. I, I I'm think... when, when Daniel Craig comes out with the sea in his blue shorts, that's when I want to pay attention. So. That's just sexist. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm I, sorry. I, I, I don't know about you, but I, I, I find the, the recent entries in terms of title sequence, like, can I have Bond too much in him? If, if you know what I mean. Bond was in a lot of the earlier ones, though. Yeah, but yeah, he, uh, certainly uh, Roger Moore era. Yeah, I, I don't mind having. Yeah, he's in a couple. I, I don't mind having like Bond's like 
a bit kind of like as as a kind of a figure. But I think when it, as you move more to Daniel Craig, he kind of becomes like a prominent thing. Yeah, he's as in, in like quite a lot, isn't he? Yeah, it's like. Yeah, it, it, I don't know. This, I, I love the Daniel Kleinman sequences, though. Oh, Casino Royale, that's one of my favourite. I love, love, love it. I could watch that forever. I, I, I like it up to the point where Daniel Craig walks up and it's like, no, that, that, yeah. They could have thought of a better way. But but I, I, I get why, because it's like interesting in, introducing a new Bond after like several years after being off. Um, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> um, so yeah, we we then cut to post sequence and post Casino Royale discussion section of the film. <laughs> we we love a ramble on this. We love the tangent. Uh, we we go aboard with M and Money Penny out in the field. We do. He gets uh, he's as he gets buried at sea and then gets kind of. Collected very quickly. Yes. Yeah, very quickly and efficiently by the by the navy. Yeah. Now, can, can I can I ask a question? Why why is Bond's death fate? Because the title of the films you only live twice. Well, I get that, but in <laughs> terms of the plot, a break, I guess it's supposed to make him. He's becoming too well known. Or, may, or maybe if he didn't go around the place telling him his name's James Bond all the freaking time, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Well, M-, M-, M says, you know, maybe your friends will pay a little less attention to you. And... Okay. So really, instead of faking his death, he should just go around telling people he's called Peter Briggs or something. Yes. <laughs> My blogs, Joe blogs. <laughs> uh, all right, then. Fair enough. Um, the thing I noticed, though, is um, Money Penny's in uniform. And I never actually thought of her as military background. I know it's military intelligence. Well, she's on a submarine, isn't she? But... So I, 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 they, they, they have civilians. But so is M. Uh, yeah, but M is an Yeah, but yeah, but won't Penny be like in kind of like similar uniform as his secretary? Sure. I don't know. I don't know. For me, it just it just felt more like oh well, she it's the uniform must match what everyone else is, so hence why yeah, she, Moneypenny. Yeah, she's on. She's a naval secretary, so therefore must be in uniform. Yeah, but they look very smart. So. Yeah, yeah, so, she, she looks really good in this. Though I must, mu- Bond does wear uniform. I, is looking pretty good. I must, I must say, she's starting to look a bit old now. When she's about forty at this point, and think that she goes through from here to. Uh, it gets worse. <laughs> yes, it really Aww. does. I think, yeah, I think probably Diamonds is the last film she looks young enough to be that playful, sparring love interest, sort of for Bond. Sure. After that, and and it, it, when we get the Maury era, even though Moore's too old himself, they're much more they they flirt, but they they're like old friends. Both of them do look quite old. By the time you get to, for example, a Vito Kill, and you think, oh. yeah, horrible. <laughs> <laughs> but I think I think we, she ages well, bless her. But yeah, but M's come out to the field because this is the big one, double seven. Big one, double seven. Yes. this is the big one. I wonder how much of the navy rum on the ship he'd gone through by that point. <laughs> Oh, Benelli. This is the big one, 007. <laughs> I, 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 007, that's a broom closet. Uh, <laughs> um, we, have the, we have the next step on a path that culminates in Roger Moore as well, of Bond being an insufferable fucking smartass. <laughs> she throws him a phrase book, and he replies. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, languages, languages at Cambridge. Cambridge doesn't help you very much by the time we get to tomorrow never dies does it no he can't read the keyboard can he no 
I mean, you've yeah. got it all then. Because <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you're if you're recruited to the Royal Navy from Cambridge University, of course you'd have been doing Oriental languages. Well, just, you know, languages is, is quite a useful thing to have, you know. Especially it is quite a useful thing to have, so. but it's just a bit random. <laughs> <laughs> well, the important thing is he got a first in it, so you know he he knows his uh, he knows his Japanese basically. Yeah, but if you like, it, it's just like oh, it's like you appreciate the sentiment. You, you the polite thing to do be like oh yeah, cheers, oh, thanks, and just not yeah, use it. You're gonna be all smug bastard about it, aren't you? Yeah. <laughs> But uh, yeah, but the, this, the series kind of tends to do that, like make make a point of like, oh, Bond knows this. Uh, I mean, like, there's there's meant to be like a thing about um, Bond and nuclear devices, like he like in in Goldfinger, he doesn't know how to do it. In Octopussy, he does know how to do it. Yeah. And in uh, and and in World's Not Enough, he does it, but with some help. One of the scenes, just a tangent again. It's one of the scenes Roger Moore gets most ridiculed for being like dressed as a clown, but I think that scene is really tense and well done. Yeah, it's, it's really silly how he's dressed as a clown, but also it's one of the most tensest scenes in the whole film. Mm. But you can, yeah, well, 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 I suppose. So, hang on, we're talking, we're talking about octopusy now. Octopusy. <laughs> okay, let's go back to track. Maybe. <laughs> a little bit of thunderball. Then. Let's go back on track now, guys. Come on. <laughs> All right then. So where do we go from there? So he's, it, it, I'm actually trying to talk about the film this week as well. I don't mind the tangents, but like we don't actually go, we don't do plot synopsis because like anyone listening to this has probably seen the films, but there are a lot of ways of the films we've not really been talking about. So we're going to try and sort of go through it. Where does he go from there then? He goes to meet... He goes to meet Ty- no. He, 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 he goes yeah, to the he, sumo, which I think accounts for his weight because he just saw... <laughs> He saw Sumo as a location and just assumed. But but by the way, I love you is not a good code name to me. I mean, like, that... you could at least do it in Japanese. As that, well. that, 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 that could have gone. I love you. And... Like, I love you. Like, what what what? What because like, wouldn't she have all this contact have a like a response to kind of know that they're the right contact? Because she he goes like, I love you. Well, yes, yeah. Well, she goes oh straight into it. It's like I don't know what... be anybody. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, she immediately says there's a hotel. He might just be talking to like the easiest fucking <laughs> in Tokyo. He's just gone, I love you. She's gone, right. I have a car nearby even. Oh, dear. That sumo scene was done for real because they, they, they don't fake it, do they? No, see? no, that's really good. That's an actual I, um, sumo wrestling. I, I, I really, so. I really love the sound of like the whole. Like, I'm not saying that to be funny. I generally had a really good atmospheric feel oh, to I like it. This scene. I like this scene a lot. Yeah, that's something I like to do. If I ever make it to Japan, I think it's one of the things to do on the tourist trail. It's like see a sumo, you know, so go up the Tokyo Tower, go up the Sky Tree, ride on the Shinkansen. That would be amazing. Find a far find a uh, volcano. First, we'll be recording our Spectre podcast from Japan. <laughs> <laughs> hmm, maybe not. But... Right. Uh, oh yeah, climb Mount Fuji, that's something else I'd like to do. Climb, uh, see Fuji-san, so that'd be pretty cool. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, goes to and, meet then, and then he meets Blofeld, sort of. Does he? Well, sort of. Yeah, Charles Grey plays Dicko Henderson. Oh, of course, yeah, Blofeld number three. Oh, uh, yeah. Blofeld number. I I I, I kind of love his introduction because like um, he meets him and to kind of prove it, it's him. He just hits him in the in the, in the fake leg he's meant to have. <laughs> you're, glad his, you're glad his intelligence is correct there, you know. Yeah, it's like well, I'm glad. Yeah, I'm glad. I'm just glad it's the right. Yeah, I I really like that little 
um, thing. But um, <laughs> but that 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 hitman is it no really knows his stuff. He knows exactly where he's going to be at the exact right amount of time, doesn't he? To push that knife in. Yeah, and no scream. He just stops talking. Yeah, it's, it's convenient. Very precise. He's obviously yeah. a trained ninja. Yeah, so he doesn't actually get much information out of Dicker Henderson, does he? No, but he, no, but, 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 but he does chase down the, the guy and uh, and breaks his neck, which is quite brutal. Uh, but it's I a very brutal fight, isn't it? But, uh, but yeah, but that's, well, then we get into the whole like he pretends to be him, uh, which Dave like loses. Jump, jumps into the yeah. car outside and he's ta- no idea where he's going. He just know Henderson's been killed. Yeah. But I, I kind of like that when Bond does that. I He's love like, that. I think the first half of this film, there's actually some pretty good detective work going actually on. actually Bond doing his job, being yeah. a spy, and doing some sneaking around, which is pretty cool. Yeah, so so basically he, he goes he goes to the uh, uh, the, the office, uh, has a fight with a guy who he finds out it's not him, uh, which I think is a pretty good fight. Uh, it's a really good fight. And, uh, I think it's a good fight. It's just Connery looks fucked when it's finished. <laughs> <laughs> but it's quite a pretty fight. You know, he hasn't done any exercise since the set of, like, Thunderball. <laughs> He's just like, oh, my God. Um, and then what happens next? Uh, he kills him, hides him in the drinks cabinet, drinks some Russian... Siamese vodka. Siamese oh. vodka, sorry. <laughs> uh, so, basically, no, uh, no, that just like vodka like from vodka. Thailand. <laughs> and uh, from there... He gets picked up by Aki, and it's the first time we meet Aki. Yeah, I kind of expect him to kind of do like uh, the Austin Powers, like jump up, roll down, and hit, and, and go into like the pasture seat of the car. Oh, just jump into the pasture. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's a lot of Austin Powers in this film. Yeah, um, I think we should do Austin Powers as another podcast as well, seeing as we reference it so much. <laughs> I'm for that, definitely. <laughs> Only three movies, it's alright. Not so long. <laughs> we'll see. The yeah. only person who's commented on it fed back that they didn't want us to do it. Oh. Funnily enough, they just said, like, why don't you just do a general one on Bond parodies? So Yeah, that's a good idea. Maybe, we'll see. We'll see. It wouldn't be anyway. for a while anyway, because if, um, if we did this in release order, it would be between Goldeneye and Tomorrow Never Dies anyway. Yeah, it should be its own separate thing anyway. Just kind of like a little... Bonus it's, thing. It's a retrospective we might mm. do. But uh, yes, uh, so uh, uh, to, this is where Bond meets uh, ti- Tiger. Tiger Tanaka. Tiger Tanaka. Tanaka. Um, who has video surveillance footage that exactly matches the film. It's amazing. <laughs> it's everywhere. He's got really, really good cam work. This. Yeah, it even follow, <laughs> follows him down corridors and everything. Yeah, right? I know. Really cinematic style. He has got CCTV. He's got a cameraman who just follows. But but I like how he's trying to. I like his whole setup. How he tries to fuck with Bond, even though he's meant to be on his side. It's like yes, we'll we'll lure him into a trap door, and he he could <laughs> totally have. Aki could have totally said, "I'll take you to him." Yeah. Yeah. But it wasn't that easy, was it? Yeah. That would have been boring. It would have been, but then it's where like the the plot. Like and the logical sense, it's like what's more exciting, this, but what's more realistic? Well, that. <laughs> yeah. What's more interesting? <laughs> yeah. But I really like Tiger Katalaka. Yeah. What? Well, isn't he um, voiced by someone we heard before? Is it Rietti? It's the guy well, in Drago, I think. Yeah. Um, you do hear his own voice, and I only noticed it on this viewing this afternoon, um, where they're at the sort of. Bath. 
Yeah, when he's in his bathroom. He turns to speak in, in, in Japanese to somebody, and that's his own voice. And it just sounds totally different. It's a completely different tone of voice. It's really deep, isn't it? His, his natural voice. Um, actually, no, I think his Tiger Tanaka voice is deeper. Oh, okay. If you, not his, but you know what I mean. The voice they used for sure, him. Sure. But it is noticeably different. But yeah, he's basic, He's not Bond's equivalent. He's M's equivalent. I like how he's got you know his own private underground train. And he's like, oh, I'm sure your M in London has a similar arrangement. And I was like, uh, yes. <laughs> this makes me laugh. <laughs> Andy, Andy knows that he flirts with Moneypenny. He does, yes, that's it. <laughs> we have our sources too, Bond. <laughs> yes, Mr. Bond. <laughs> uh, and it's from then he gives uh, Bond a, a bath by several women, which he gets before to that, choose. <laughs> before, him, before that, he gives him sake, um, which is another sort of, again, it, I talked in one of the early episodes about this being a bit of a travel log, and it's more on display in this episode. They're, they're showing audiences an unfamiliar culture. Definitely. And Bond's got to be an expert of it because he's, he's educating us as well. So he, he very conspicuously tells us the temperature you're supposed to serve. Yeah, he knows the right temperature. We used to drink sake, so, which makes it very oishi, very delicious. I've yeah. never had sake. Nor have I. I have. It's delicious. Does it taste like anything else we'd know? Um, no, it's quite... Because it's like rice wine, so I, I taste... It's a little bit sour, but I don't know. It's very, very nice, though. But I can, if you get to try it yeah, cause that sounds... in a restaurant, then please do try it. That basically sounds like a nice warm cup of vinegar. That doesn't sound appetizing. <laughs> yeah. So basically, our Spectre podcast will be re- recorded in Japan, pissed on. Siamese <laughs> 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 vodka, sake. <laughs> yeah, so then they go to the baths, and this bit of the film is um, actually probably the first... Because this was one of my favourites when I was a kid. And I always remembered the men come first in Japan thing. Mm. Um, I don't know why that stuck with me, but it was just <laughs> like. But apparently on set, Tetsuro Tamba was, you know, barging his way through doors first and stuff because that's the Japanese custom. Hold the door the culture, open. And... Men, men do come first in, in sort of the Japanese like as a culture, as it were. Yes. The women's are kind of like for, you know for the home and like when like if you're you know in Japan if you're married, then obviously. You've, Obviously, um, you get married and you have kids, and that was it. You you give up work, and obviously your your, your husband would be the breadwinner. So I was all right till you said the husband would be the breadwinner. I think you <laughs> Chris could like quit when we were. Yeah, men come first to Japanese culture. <laughs> yeah, and of course, within he gets a massage. We um, and she swaps out for Aki. And I actually think they've got really good chemistry, these two. Uh, Would you not agree? Well, it's not really necessarily about the chemistry. It just seems like that romance kind of springs out of nowhere. She literally, oh, does just, spring out of nowhere. She literally just creeps up and goes like, oh, hey. And, she, and, and, they, and they both kiss. It's like, hang on, where the, f- hang on, where the you fuck is You gave him a lift it? earlier that <laughs> That's all. Yeah, you, you, you met him twice. And she, yeah, it's just I. Which does support the easiest lay in Tokyo theory. <laughs> and it's like, I, I, I don't think it's even much flirting even. It's not even like there was all oh, this, something going on between them, you know. Like, no. it, it's just like, it just feels like, hey, and then they just make out. And it's all of a sudden it's like, oh, well, yeah, that's it. But she honed in, I think. This is the bit of the film that's botched, I think, because this bit gets rushed because he's got to get through another, he's been handed a formula to write. And he's got to get through another two lovers. Hmm. Um, so yeah, basically, that's really why it's so rushed. It, it, it's rushed 
But of the three of them, she's the only one that has any chemistry at all with Sean Connery. Yeah. So I, it really hurts the film afterwards. It, I, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll say, I'll go into it. I really find the whole point of killing her off pointless. Cause, and it's even evident more so because they kill her off and there's just no real consequences from it afterwards. It just feels like, oh, she's dead. And then literally, like, in a couple he's of scenes... He's after... about getting an ugly woman later, you know, within... Yeah, the, the, literally, literally, in that scene, he's like, oh, well, fine, that's fine. We'll, 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 yeah. we'll, 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 we'll marry off someone else. All right, she'll do. And it's just feels... It, and literally, it's like, he, after that, he's like, how, he's like, how oh, are we going to have sex? Are we going to have sex? It, it, it just feels like, fuck's sake. <laughs> it does... It's really... Um... It's just, it is writing to a formula. You can see it, but it's not fully understanding the formula and it's not fully understanding screenwriting. You know, he wasn't a screenwriter and he, he clearly isn't Dick Maybaum, you know, and it really shows you, it shows the quality of what we've had to this point. That so, this is the formula done wrong. It doesn't, I mean, the film's still enjoyable, but this is what happens when the formula's done wrong. I wouldn't say it's done wrong, but it's perhaps not in the not in the hands of. I mean, Roald Dahl is you know just one of the literary greats, um, but I think it's yeah, it's not in the right hands. I would say. Yeah, I mean it's it's miss it's like I say, I mean we'll get to the wed- all the wedding stuff in a minute because Bond himself starts to piss me off around then. <laughs> um, but yeah, so he's he's now he now now has to go back to Osato Chemicals. Oh yeah, and so he pretend- meets him for real. Yeah, so he pretends like he's, he's someone else. That was like uh, a, sure. a meeting. Yeah, uh, he and like they they figure out that well he's 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 armed, so he's clearly someone who is kind of not to be trusted. They kind of okay, well we'll kill him, and literally they decide to kill him. Literally as he's walking out the building, like it's like. Wouldn't you? You can probably still hear him. He's probably within earshot still. Yeah, like, yeah. He's like, wouldn't you kind of follow him to find out where he is and then go and kill him? Like, yeah. like wouldn't isn't kill him literally the second he goes out? He walks out of your building. And like play, a bit obvious. Play along with the deception that you're having a business meeting. If you're going to get someone to do a drive-by on him right by the front door to your building. That's quite an obvious drive-by, isn't it? <laughs> it's not very subtle, is it? No, with a giant machine gun. You could follow it? him a couple of miles away and then shoot him. But, no. But, no. Yeah. Or, or, you, or, or you just like, do what every Bond villain should do and just like take him to a room somewhere and then shoot him. <laughs> They'll never get that, that chance, funnily enough. Yeah. But, no. Uh, it, it, it just found. It, it, I think it's probably just down to like pacing. Like, oh, we need to beat now. It, but it just. It. it but it, again, it's like, it's, it's, it's visual plot rather than like reality plot. It's just really, just like, oh come on, really, and yeah. the, and 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 the whole thing about the like Tiger getting a helicopter with a big magnet and just <laughs> picking the car up. Just a drop in the ocean. Yeah, but like literally, yeah. Bond, Bond is literally not doing anything. He's just literally watching going, like, it on TV in the car. Yeah, which again which, must have been possibly yeah. high tech. Very, very conspicuous. Where was that camera? So... I really want to know where that camera was. <laughs> it's hidden away. Hang on, I'd never thought of that. Yeah. This is Japan. You know, they're having the technological. Yeah. Career, you know, the famous for miniaturization technology, and you know. <laughs> Don't, don't think about it too much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. But we haven't had to do that as much in the first four weeks. 
I mean, the, the, there's plot holes in anything if you pick. Hard you analyse it too much. It Certainly, I know, but it's, it's, it's too I mean, it's too much fun not to though. Yeah, but uh, yeah, exactly. Quite a big plot hole. It's the first one that you can sit and. It's enjoyable, but it's the first one you can sit and pick serious really holes in not, yeah. in a humorous way. It's the first one you can sit and take the piss out of, really. Mm. <laughs> um, yeah, and then we get the whole uh, Aki's killed by poison meant for Bond. Does he turn Japanese, though, after that? Because in the whole ninja training camp. And... Yeah, because Aki's killed. And they've got. A... Oh no no no! He doesn't. He, there's a there's the plane bit, isn't there? Because he, he sleeps. It, yeah. He sleeps with the uh, uh, Bond uh, villainess with ginger hair, Mark II. Uh, yeah, <laughs> basically. We need to speak about it's her a little bit. Fiona Captain Volt's Russell. dead. We'll cast this one. Yes. Mm-hmm. Those, those, she, ahead th- of ourselves as well. Yeah. Talk about the massive rooftop fight, um, by Kobe Ducks. Oh yes, actually, they go to. Um, yes, when he in his first meeting with Tiger Tanaka, they 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 see a photograph. Ningpo. Of, of a ship called the Ningpo, and the person who took that shot was killed for taking it. Yeah, um, the tourists so liquidated. They've oh, really? got to follow the ship, and the, the ship is in. So it's him and Aki at that point. Mm. Um, I'd misremembered that actually because there's a lovely tracking shot of him running across the roof. Mm. That's incredible. I and I always thought that was the, the 007 film. theme that played to that, but it wasn't. It's um, it is the the film's theme that plays over it. Yeah, but yeah, it's one of my favourite shots in the whole movie. It's really really good. Yeah, but it's it's good fight sequence as well because it shows like Bond actually just down with it, just fighting, shooting his way out of the situation. Exactly, um, and it shows a little bit more of the relationship between Bond and Aki as well. Yeah. I mean, even though it's kind of it's one that's not really believable and it has to happen by a certain <laughs> point, but she's like, but Bond's like, right, okay, go over there and you know hide yourself. And uh, there was one like, bit where I you. couldn't help but think of the naked gun though, because uh, well, there's two bits in it. Firstly, that's checking shot must have been done in like one take or something because oh, yeah. there are errors where he vaguely wafts at someone and they're unconscious. You, you, <laughs> you, know, you can see there's like a gap that. between but the, the other his thing fist is, and their face. And like, oh. But when he's making his escape and he's jumping down the levels onto like soft landings, there's a bit where you see the second jump he does. It's Bob Simmons. Yeah, you can see it's Bob Simmons. Who, who, just to correct you, the impression we may have given you in an earlier episode, did not play the tarantula in Doctor No. We we got waylaid and changed the subject. He <laughs> um, wasn't a spider. But yeah, he he dives off. He dives onto it and then he jumps off and then hides and then Sean Connery pops up. And it just reminds me of the Naked Gun when Leslie Nielsen's like, <laughs> when he's doing like you know, he's doing all vaults through the the, the apartment, lands behind the bed, and then gets up, you know, <laughs> all that sort of thing. But it's it is a really good sequence. It's one of the better parts of the film. Sorry to ruin the magic of cinema for you. <laughs> um, well, it, it wasn't going to be Connery who did it, was it? But it was kind of really obvious. No, so they have their rooftop fight, and then what? I can't remember if he... T- I only saw this this afternoon as well, but I can't remember if he turns Japanese before... Yes, he does. He's told... He's, he's interrogated by... by um, oh, God, what's her name? Helga Brandt. Helga Brandt. Yeah, and then, and then sleeps... She's, she's, he's, he, she interrogates him in a cocktail dress. Yeah. Um, <laughs> sleeps with him, of course. And then, like... But basically... Things I do for England. But basically, she plays it as in, like, ma- ma- making think Bond's turned her over. 
to get so they get in a plane thinking he like might have turned her over. We don't know what they got up to. Well, you know, thinking like, oh, here, well, like she's gonna go along with with, with us and and like yeah, and uh, but she's like, oh no no, actually, I'm gonna kill you now. Bye. And literally just climbs out of plane. And I can't I can't but thinking like the the plane tremor that flossy how casually she just steps out of it and you're like, I'm jumping no. off now. Bye. <laughs> That's a really obvious rear projection too. But uh, but I, but I, I kind of like it. I kind of like the, the, the like the the action of like of I mean, you think about the first half; it's actually quite fast paced and action oriented. It is really. Um, it's, it's a really good film uh, for me. I mean, I still stand by everything I said earlier about it being a bit frayed around the edges. You know, Connery not quite being in shape and everything else. No, and that's the last time it. I'll refer to that. But it is like it, it's all part of it. All starting to feel a bit more tired this week, but certainly. The problem I've got is once he turns Japanese. Um, yeah, I think it was a film of two halves, definitely. Once he kind of, the first half, and then mm. it's obviously before he turns Japanese. And well, this infiltration the isn't there at the camp. He's, he's, he's learning to be a ninja, which uh, the film I thought of when I was watching this was Aliens, because he, he, gets, okay. he, gets, thorough, he gets thorough like ninja training in about two days. Right, <laughs> and it just reminds me of that bit in Aliens where um, Hicks teaches Ripley to use a gun, and she's an absolute badass after her twelve seconds of training. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's just, it just makes That's me laugh. The shortcuts films have to take. So he's a top he's ninja taking, within a couple of days. Ninja. Yeah, um, I, I don't think Bond ever displays his top ninja skills ever. Really, though. No, he doesn't at all. No, he never gets to use Nothing it. After that, but but he's not the one throwing that shuriken to you know get. To put um, Blofeld off at the end. So. To get sorry. Sorry, did he go off in his hand? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Can, I, can I say that bit again, please? Nope. But uh, yeah, but it, it does. It's a film that's at the end. <laughs> it, it does start to get a little silly. Taking him off would distract him. <laughs> <laughs> it does. I've, I've, I've never drunk in this podcast, but I think I probably should start doing it. <laughs> yeah, it... yeah, you'll be. <laughs> Please. <laughs> oh, my sides are hurting. Oh dear. So anyway, uh, I think uh, out of the Connerys, just the, just the one where things start to get a little silly. Um, oh. I mean, as much as beloved it is, I mean the concept of uh, Little Nell. Is little Nelly, we have to yeah. speak about little Nelly. Yeah, it is a little bit kind of cute, play, oh. play humorous. Like, there's a little tiny little helicopter that Q just kind of designed. A toy 007, please. Use my helicopter. As well. hmm? It's a very long sequence. Yeah. It's the last time we hear the 007 theme for a while. It is. It's a very good sequence, though. Yeah, I like it. I watched it today and quite enjoyed it. And it's really, it's one of the most iconic um, Bond vehicles, I think. So. There's a bit of a, a local link between, mm. well, well it, link. <laughs> essentially, it's the uh, the Bond and the car kind of sequence where he's got all the gadgets things. It's that kind of... Cameraman but... lost his foot film in this. Yeah, it's very deadly. Deadly sequence. He was hanging from one of the helicopters with a with a in a harness and his, his foot got sliced. Ouch. Eventually, they had to amputate it. Yeah, it's awful. Um, and then he, he eventually he survived and uh, he continued he to shoot. He filmed Majesties, and he, but he did die in a, in a fall about three years later. Mm. Oh. Um, yeah, I was reading today, Catch-22 was the last thing he filmed. Oh, no, really? Yeah. Mm. That's a good film. Yeah. But he, book he, too. he didn't film the book. 
No, obviously not. book, actually. It's just text, isn't it? Uh, oh, yeah. Boring. <laughs> but, uh, it's not a kind of good movie, anyway. Yeah, but it is, it's a fun little sequence, though, and uh, I, 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 I like... And it serves a purpose, because he, he, he does find out rough... He does confirm his suspicions. Yeah, particularly when... hijacked and landed in that area. Particularly when looking and and five her helicopters try to shoot him yeah, by looking... <laughs> I know, it's literally, it's like, I just, I see nothing, it's okay, and it's like, oh, hang on, I'm being attacked here. <laughs> it's just yeah. Like, it's just yeah. like, oh, just... If Blofeld just said, like... Oh, Leave it, he'll yeah. go home. <laughs> Because when he stood right by the volcano, he doesn't recognise that as a roof. Yeah. No. He'd have no chance from a helicopter. He's <laughs> quite a way up, so... Hmm. <laughs> but, yeah, so then they decide... Because they're, they're infiltrated, and um, basically there are people within the camp trying to kill him. They do eventually kill Aki. Uh, but before that, he has to... Undergo, he's told he can't marry her. It has to be someone from the village. That's me. Yeah, I'm a and Because that's the whole point, really. Particularly because um, she's now he's got dead to have anyway. This makeup. And, it, and again, it's I think it's where Team America got 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 the sequence where they made Gary over. Yeah. So, you know, <laughs> he he becomes... goes to complicated surgery and just looks like he's got shit on his face. And <laughs> Sean Connery, they literally put on a different wig. He narrows his eyes and stoops a bit. And that's it, pretty much. Because he's that's quite tall, it. so. But and it slowly reverses itself as well because by the end of the film he's got none of it left. I, I think I, th- I think I think to finish off they should have put like false teeth on him. Do go the whole. <gasps> oh, it would look like Brett <laughs> Tiffany's, wouldn't it? Yes. Um, <laughs> oh, oh dear. God. But I, I bond in this sequence really like I mean that he's trained as a ninja. You don't see him do anything. That's probably the capabilities of the actor. To be fair. No, I didn't um, see him use any of his ninja skills. And he behaves like a whiny twat over this whole marriage thing. And the thing is, he, he's meant to be an agent. The job does come first. We saw that earlier in the in the Connery era, where, where he's on the uh, boat with um, Tatiana. You know, the, the job comes before all of that. And he's basically moaning that they might give him a minger. <laughs> it's just... But like, even, after, even, even after that, she's like, are we going to have sex? No, no, this is all about mission. <sighs> well, well, I'm not, I'm, I'm not gonna eat these oysters then. It's like, oh, you know. no, that's it. Well, that's why he's not so annoyed that he can't marry Aki, because like, you know, he's obviously well, got to marry they are, yeah. But they've killed her off so that he can no, exactly. see sex here. I mean, I mean, earlier in the scene, you know, so. Um, there's no chemistry here. This, this, this. Uh, actress, even, sorry. But they, they swap roles, didn't they? Aki and yeah, um, Kissy. Well, see, that was, yeah. The actors were going to be the other way around, but because Aki required a lot more English, a lot more speech, yeah, and uh, Mia Hamba's English wasn't very good. No, they swapped them over. They, they swapped them over. They were going to sack her to start with, but she threatened to kill herself. She's like, "No, I must do this role." Which is just no. bizarre. But yeah, there's there's no real chemistry here. They go out for a bit of a recce. Then basically, his whole disguise and marriage is for the bit where he walks in, walks off the boat onto. The, the the area where the village is, basically says something Japanese in a broad Scottish accent <laughs> with a very conspicuous earpiece in, um, which you can see under very the hat. I think that was for the actor, not for the character. Um, and that's it. That's the that's the whole reason for all of that. Yeah. yeah. They go into a cave, there's nerve gas, so they jump out, and then that's it. He's kind, of, swim, that's re- it. He's kind of normal again. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, he's, I suppose it had done its job by then. But then he's, yeah, it's quite interesting place. from a cultural aspect as well because you kind of get to see, like, obviously not, not all of it, but like some of the aspects of a Japanese wedding, which is interesting. 
I don't know. I think it's interesting anyway. The scene but, played quite long, and, it, and again, I think it was for that exact reason. Yeah. We're seeing a bit of a different world. Exactly. Um, but I, I know that they, I mean, they then go on a recce. The thing where he goes to, because we're, we're, we're getting towards the sort of final act of the film now, where he sort of goes and finds the base. What made him take knee and hand suction cups with him? That's what the ninja used. <laughs> but he's, he's just out for a wander, having a look, <laughs> dressed as a fisherman or whatever it, that's meant to be in his smock. A good ninja is always prepared. Yep, that's the one. But they're, they're going to look into an open volcano. He doesn't know it's an open volcano at this point or that there's any way in there. You know, and he's taken suction cups with him. And a really unflattering grey jumpsuit. <laughs> Isn't that the motto of the scouts as well? Be prepared. Yeah. yeah but I lines. <laughs> went to a scout meeting, they, didn't, they wouldn't have suction cups on them. Well, no, but I just kind of thought in the whole preparation. Yeah, but what he's wearing is what all the other ninjas come with when they attack. Yeah, it's the same ninja outfit, isn't it? Mm. Um, but yeah, just it, that just seemed really, really odd. It was just like... I, I mean, we go through it a, a lot in future films with the, the Q scenes where he's always given exactly what he needs for the mission. Sure. But this was just... this That was just a bit of an odd thing to take. Apparently that scene was quite difficult to film because like, I was listening to the commentary and they were speaking to um, Zidi, um, Richard Graydon, Lord Graydon, mm. and saying that scene was quite difficult to film because he was kind of had to kind of do it shot upside down or it was a very complicated scene apparently, but very interesting anyway. Yeah, and one of the stuntmen broke his ankles coming down on the yeah. horse at the end. Um, this set cost uh, more than, well, it cost as much as Doctor No. It's very expensive. What do you think of it? It's... But first big... It's, it's a famous volcano layer, isn't it? Yeah, it's iconic, and it's it's what we all think of really when we think of like the 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 evil Bond villain base. Yeah, the typical Bond villain layer is a hollowed out volcano layer, and it's like this is this is the only time we see it. Apart from uh, the the spy shag me, of course, but. Uh... <laughs> but in the, yeah, in, in terms of the Bond realm, this is it. But it's, it seems like the archetypal quintessential Bond layer, you know. Yeah, I think so. Um, this, uh, as I say, we go to the when we go to the ninja camp, we then get into like unconvincing Japanese man, very whiny Bond, and then we go for this whole action sequence, and it and it's a bit too long. It's, uh, but I mean, he does actually fight his way. The, the actions he takes when he, he's there are quite logical. Um. But it's it's all a bit too long, and I don't know what you made of the Blofeld reveal. It's it, basically he still kind of like kept. It's weird because Blofeld uh, doesn't sort of turn up till the the last half, even then he still kind of re- like kept kind of identity hidden. And you think like there would have been shades of Blofeld throughout the film, kind of like slowly gathering more in, but it's literally it's like. He gets a volcano like then we kind of like, oh, well, there's the big guy in charge. He's stroking the cat. We don't really see his face. Mm. He's uh, he's telling off um, the, uh, the, the uh, what, what's the name? Yes, because it turns out Mr. Rosato and Karen Dorr are both, uh, oh, Karen Dorr's the actress. Yeah. Sorry, Helga Brandt. Uh, Helga Brandt, they're uh, Spectre agents. They're, they're both Spectre agents. Yeah. She's number 11, is that right? She's number 11. Yeah. Yeah, she's number, t- number um, 11. Basically, he kills a... Uh, 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 Number eleven uh, for failing, even though like the, it kind of makes um, him sweat for it. It's like oh, you know, you know, don't tolerate failure, kind of thing. Mm. Um, but again, it's a classic thing of like of 
of making the one guy thinking that he he's going to die when it's the other person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Uh, um, I know he's got a big, massive, tall, blonde henchman who doesn't say anything at all. No, and um, a, a pool of man-eating piranhas. Yes. Oh, yes, I know. Yes. She did that herself, Karen Dool, which is impressive, I think. What, she got eaten by piranhas? She didn't really get eaten by piranhas, but she had, like, you know, some men pulling her down and everything. She did do four bits of it, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I did it by herself. It isn't the the most difficult stunt in the world, I suppose, but, I mean, she did hit it on the way down. It it looks convincing. Um, (laughs) But, yeah, I mean, this is, again, another one of these tropes that leads to the whole Doctor Evil with wanting sharks with laser beams on their heads. Attached to their freaking heads. Yeah, it's... (laughs) And, again, it's another... Tall, blonde, Aryan henchman in the red yeah. ground mode. He always yeah. reminds me of the guy in uh, in um, Few Eyes Only. He always kind of like, oh, right. oh yeah, I see who, uh, yeah. Uh, oh yeah, sorry. yeah, definitely. Um, but I, th- I, but I think I think they were aiming more for Red Grant at the time. Oh yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, uh, they they probably weren't recording a film they wouldn't make for fourteen years. Or yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he seems almost kind of extraneous. He didn't really need that. He just fulfills this role of a tall black. The action scene between Hans and Bonds is, I think, flat out bad. Because it's edited and directed such that Connery almost like walks onto a punch and it just looks ridiculous. Yeah, it's one of the worst fight scenes. Mm. Yeah. I like the the payoff, though. This is the first entry from Lewis Gilbert. We haven't mentioned the director apart from at the top of the show. No, we should chat Uh, about some more. um, I I think... He, he, he effectively, uh, he's always accused of directing the same film three times. Oh, yes, because of Spy Love Me. And Moonraker. And they're all. Yeah, similar broad, sort of theme. They're all broadly very, very similar plots. Um, there's a little echo of Goldfinger in it as well, that the scheme is, is about causing ructions in the West, allowing the Far East to take advantage. Um, but. Yeah, it, I, I'm not the biggest Lewis, Lewis Gilbert fan. I mean, I, I I'll be interested to rewatch The Spy Who Loved Me and Moonraker because I know certainly one of those is very well thought of, but I think this is the weakest film we've had so far, and I'm not I'm just not a massive fan of his work. At least with Guy Hamilton, who's done entries I don't like, we got Goldfinger. That is true, and there's also uh, a Love That Die as well. He's yeah. seen like a yes. few other lots of, lots of different films, obviously, because he did like Educating Rita is one of the famous films. Lewis Gilbert did Educating Rita, and he did uh, uh, again the, a really kind of a left field choice because he was he had just directed Alfie. Exactly, but he did lots of other like war, like war movies as well, like Carve a Name with Pride, mm. um, Sing the Bismarck is another one that comes to mind. Um, Above All Crichton as well, I think. I haven't uh, seen any of those, but I have seen his lighter comedies. But yeah, obviously, I mean, like... Um, oh, he did, Sh- did, did you Shirley and... Valentine as well? Yeah, I, I love that movie. And also, like, Alfie, which is, like, you know, sort of comedy and... Yeah. Um, quite quite varied film career, I think. Alfie? What's that all about? Alf- oh. <laughs> What's it all about, Alfie? That's what I was just about to tell you. Also, the name of the film. all done. But yeah, Blo- Blofeld is a, is a late recast. They started with another actor called Jan Werrick. And what's he been in? Oh, good question. Becca, do you know? I'd have to look him up on imdb.com. Yeah, okay. Um, maybe worth doing. But um, he was cast, but he was a much more... I mean, he had hair for a start and a beard. Uh, much, And when they cast him, they thought he was far too... Santa Clausy. He just... He, they said he, looks like a far, he looked almost like a Father Christmas type figure. 
they'd done all of Connery's reaction shots to Blofeld in that control room scene. He's reacting to Jan Werick. And it was basically a guy with a beard. Uh, a, a guy with hair and a beard. If you look up Jan Werick, you will get a shot of him. If you look up Jan Werick, Blofeld, you'll get a shot. Yeah, it's a bit, it's a bit kind of Father Christmas-y style, isn't it, I guess? So, of course, last-minute recast, and they get Donald Pleasance in, who happens to be bald, and now it's seen as odd when Blofeld's got hair. Well, when we saw bits and pieces of Blofeld in the first few films, he had hair. Yeah. You know, and I'm not... And he, and he was tall, skinny, and it was a lot more yeah, intimidating. Voice. You know... They've never got Blofeld right. They've, they've always got him wrong in different ways. And, and I don't mean matching the books, because I haven't read the Spectre trilogy. But I just mean in creating a, a really good, memorable character. He comes off as far too weedy. Um, and yeah, also, that's the first thing I sort of noticed, obviously, you know, from other films, obviously, um, given that Great he, Escape. But you kind of notice in terms of stature, you, you expect this kind of really tall, imposing guy. Um, and he's... A bit shorter than Sean Connery. <laughs> yeah, which means that he comes off as, like, spiteful rather than commanding. Yeah. And, I mean, I was thinking about this earlier today, and I was just thinking, well, who would I have liked to have played the final reveal of Blofeld? And I actually think Christopher Lee. Mm, very interesting. I just think, you'll forget him playing Scaramanga. He would have been the definitive Blofeld, I think. Definitely. And by the time the next film came along, he would have been, like, 47 still young enough and physical enough to do the bits that were required for that role. Because, sure. again, they know they're doing Majesties next. That's a physical role. So why they've cast Donald Pleasance is beyond me. It's quite good. It's quite iconic, though, because like that. We sort of, you know, he turns around and he's got that horrific scar. Oh, my God, that's terrifying. Um, yeah, I've just, just thought of him as a bit of a silly little man, really. I, I haven't loved any of the Blofelds, really. Um I like Telly Savalas best, but that's because he's in my favourite film. Sure. I must say the ultimate silliness comes in when you see him in Dragon Diamonds and Forever, but we'll, we'll get there. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I'm, I'm with you. I think Telly Savalas is the best of the blowpot because he's a lot more kind of... He's more physical, isn't well, he? Well, he's, he's, he's not just he's more physical, but he's more... Command- he, he looks like a guy who's actually in charge of shit. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's a bit more like, well, I uh, I do look like an evil uh, guy with a criminal organisation. Where I mean, I, I can I kind of like Pleasance in in as a villain. Yeah. It's just yeah. It's just when you look at these films and you see a Blofeld like Blofeld being in, 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 yeah, it just it it just completely is like a tonal shift. Uh, I always and it's and it's weird because thinking about it now. Going back to the first uh, Bond film, I think the the guy who played Doctor No would have been a better Blofeld. I mean, he, I think he's yes. probably he, he, yeah. He, he's not the right Blofeld you're led to he, believe. Really, he's, are you? he's not. He's 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 basically like he is the best Blofeld, and he's not actually Blofeld. No, <laughs> it's, you know, but he's he's a lot more kind of like what I yeah. Blofeld is built up to be, and he looks kind of like well, that's kind of his Blofeld. Like the anti-Blofeld. None of them are amongst my favourite villains in the series really Blofeld as a concept is because he is Bond's, it's certainly in the cinematic Bond he's kind of his version of, you know, he's his main antagonist he's his Lex yeah, Luthor or his Joker mm. but he's not actually ever been done that well and I know from what people know of the role that when Christoph Waltz turns up, if he is Blofeld and he doesn't have hair, and he, he has hair he will be. it'll all be uh, like yeah, it'll all be like, oh he's done it wrong you know, and it's like, no, you're, you're hanging on to an interpretation that wasn't particularly good in the first place. No. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm, I'm not a big fan, and I, I much prefer, forget the respective films, 
because they vary in quality. But, I mean, I, I've, I've had a lot to say about the Roger Moore era, which I'm going to go in with as open mind as I can. But I have rewatched Moonraker recently. Drax is better than this. Drax is better than this. Scaramanga yeah. is better than this. Um, Kamal Khan's better than this. I think with, with Donald Pleasance, I mean, much respect to the actor, because obviously he's known from, obviously outside of Bond as, as Loomis from the Halloween series. But it's like there's a lot of overacting going on. The, the accent's a little bit bit hammy, unfortunately. But. The, the thing is, though, he just comes... I, I think he's he's fine at being, like, a, pl- a guy plotting. Like, a little... like yeah. As a guy, he looks good, like, sort of creepy guy stroking a cat and kind of, mm, yes, I'm very evil. Um, but <laughs> but, but when, it, when it, it's, it's the little things where, like... He just looks really sort of tired and weak when he's like pointing a gun. It's just like you've got. He's like, I can just push you over. Like, and it's like, and it's like when he says when he says like, kill bomb now. It just feels like, yeah, it's just like, yeah, come on, <laughs> oh, okay the then. I, I don't ever expect, you know, I don't expect Blofeld to have like the strength of Jaws or Odd Job or anything like that. Oh no, no. But there was a sense in the From Russia with Love version and even Thunderball yeah. that, like, you know, he could almost, you could almost have him say, You really don't want me to get out from behind this desk? Do you know <laughs> what I mean? It would be, um, you know, he, he, could, he could take care of business as well. And I don't get that from this Blofeld. They play much more on the sort of deformity and weirdness of the guy than anything else. Yeah, and then crazy, next week it? you've the got. Of it is not so much. I'll talk more about um, Telly Savalas next week, but Telly Savalas isn't quite right casting either. Um, you know, so yeah, it, it, it's a bit of a letdown after we've come all this way. He's been teased of over the course yeah, of five films. Of I, I kind of like pl- pl- um, Donald Pleasance as a Bond villain, as a as a bald guy with a scar stroking the cat being a bit creepy and evil but it's just not the blowfelt that it's built up to be and at times he's a bit weak and I think you know especially in later films it's it needs to be more stronger willed I mean I, I I don't know what what he's like in the in the books but I understand he's a bit of a comedian but I, it, it yeah I mean they, they've immediately gone for a very different feel on Blofeld from what I understand he is in the books. And that's fine. They, they, you know, it, it, Blofeld now, as he comes back, he will be informed by the cinematic version, not by, by the books anymore, I wouldn't have thought. But there's no reason you've got to just pick a bald man just because, you know, it's a bit like when they were talking about, like, casting Lex Luthor for, like, Batman versus Superman, and, and everyone kept on about Brian Cranston just because he was bald in Breaking Bad. You know, it's like, can you not be a little bit more inventive and thoughtful about it than that? And it's it's the same here, that Peter Hunt did not like this performance, so when he takes the helm in the next one, he wasn't having pleasance, <coughs> regardless. But it was also informed slightly by the fact that um, it was a physical role as well. And so he chose Telly Savalas because, you know, he was bald. <laughs> also, he's Kojak, so he loves your baby. <laughs> yeah, I know, but you've had this creepy sort of almost Eastern European kind of figure in the films that are built up to him. He's almost kind of like Germanic. And then, well, then suddenly he's kind of a very sort of he's, he's basically yeah, American gangster. Yeah. Yeah, and he's kind of his New York accent kind of keeps, creeps through, I guess, doesn't he? Or there's kind of a a accent that's not something. That yeah, we it, well, I I don't think he does an accent. He just does. His, no. I I mean I I like the Bond 
Blofeld dynamic in that film, and I love the film. So by default, Talisa Valas is my favourite Blofeld. But I think it's fair to say, certainly from my perspective, they've not nailed one yet. No, not yet. Maybe someday this will. Yeah, maybe it will. I'm no, I, 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 I mean, it's a good shout, Chris, but I'd let an actor do it. Oh, touche, touche. Good job, good job. Yeah, good job. So, um, so uh, Dave, who, 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 who would you like to see play Bofeld? I think that young man, Christoph Waltz, could be a good shout. I agree. Uh, I mean, in this in this era... It's almost kind of an, an anyone but. I was just, and, and you tend to start with Bond villains we've had that, like, could you have re- retooled them to be Blofeld? And again, it's not trying to fit this scar on the face, bald thing. If they're bald, fine. If they're not, fine. I mean, the but, scar could kind of match how he's identity, uh, like uh, how he's not his identity's kind of been masked previously. It's like kind of all the uncovering, you know. Even like even the scene in Thunderball is like. And in that kind of like table above, where like with his face covered, it's like you can kind of understand. Oh, what's he hiding? So you can kind of understand yeah, what he's got. But all I'm all I'm saying is that they've they've gone for variations on. Well, no, they haven't really, because Charles Gray's different again. But yeah, definitely in popular culture, Blofeld is thought of as bald, and with, with all the with all the build up we've had to it. Not quite. What nothing to suggest that. And if you look at the series we've had, Chris has already said, "Well, Doctor No." And I would say certainly Scaramanga, Christopher Lee, they're all guys that could have played a, a pretty good Blofeld. Yeah, definitely. I think the, the only constant we've had in terms of the Blofeld is like the Nero jacket. Yeah, but even that in in the earlier films, when we do get little shots of him, he's not wearing that, is he? No, you don't in see Thunderball, it. he's wearing a suit, isn't he? Yeah, he's got just a proper suit on, isn't he? So yeah, he's got, like suit and tie. Uh, yeah, that's the only constant in that case. Mm. <laughs> But well, yeah. you know, but like you know, fair props to uh, Donald Pleasant, uh, Donald Pleasant's in the role. Um, for for whatever reason, um, he, he is the most iconic. He is like the one you think of once you say Blofeld. He is the the first person you think yes, of when you when, when you think of Bond villain. He is literally the first image you got in your head. As like, what is the so archetype Bond villain? He was on his chair. It's like you only live twice. And he, and he and he's not even in the whole film. He's only in like the last third. <laughs> yeah, you didn't see it very much. I would, say probably, much, I would actually say probably from the, from the whilst he fits in as, as I say, whilst Blofeld his bonds Lex Luthor, I, I'd say probably the iconic villain of the series is probably Goldfinger. Yeah, definitely. He's very iconic, I think. But I think what it comes down to when it comes to Donald Pleasant's Blofeld, out of all the guys who played Blofeld, he is the one who generally looks like he's a cat lover. He, he, you can tell he generally loves that cat. He like, yeah, you know, it's like, he, he, like, uh, Tony Salas. You can, you can just tell he like he doesn't really give a shit. He doesn't it's give like, a shit. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah, like, it's like I've got to hold this thing while I do these scenes. Yeah, it's like, yeah. Half, yeah. Half, half time it's like I oh, just get out of here. You fuck it. You know. I never say you know say never work with children or animals. <laughs> but um, yeah, he, it's That's like so easy. you can you can tell tonight we've had no problems, mate. <laughs> but um, yeah, um, she's back but, in here now because she was crying so much. Oh. The listeners, we probably did cut most of that, but yeah, they, they, my cat was uh, was going bananas earlier. There's uh, some of the disruption my end on the on the line is that she's only a 14 weeks old. Yeah. Oh, kitten. No, but um, yeah, the the problems I have uh, with Don Pleasant's role, he just he comes across as just 
too weak and it's not a deal breaker. I mean, if the film was amazing and then it led to that reveal, it's not. It's not. Good. Yeah. Uh, no, because it's kind of so so. It doesn't. Yeah. You know. And then the film. I, I know the film. Uh, most of Connery's films end up with him on water getting off with some woman, but it felt the ending of this felt really abrupt. It just felt like oh, right, well done. once they blow up the base, that's yeah. it. They they just they just run for can, it. Can can I just like add, I love all the fact that he got like uh, the. Uh, what, what's, what's the guy in the office name? What's his? I get, I'm terrible names. I'm sorry. I don't know which one are you talking about. The 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 guy in the the uh, in in the office building used the. Oh, Mr. Asato. Yeah. Uh, how Mr. Asato just randomly just working on the on the uh, <laughs> on the computer side. I kept thinking, why the fuck are you here? <laughs> yeah, I mean, sure, surely, like your numbered agents are like kind of almost your committee. It's like it, you know what I mean. They they're not they're not. I don't know, and and he, he kind of has a look like he's like being put on like on the on the dunces on dunce stool, like he's he on the like naughty step. Doesn't he? Yeah, he looks like he's like he's he's constantly sweating, and then and then later on, Blofeld just kills him. Said this is the price of failure. It's like why didn't you kill him? Eh? Like off back with, <laughs> with why, why didn't you kill him off with um, the uh, what's the name? <laughs> you, you you needed his skills at sitting at that console and not doing anything. <laughs> Basically, yeah, but he probably thought, I, I, I know, I'm going to kill you both. He was, but, he was but, I'm, but I'm only going to kill, yeah, being greedy. But I'm only going to kill her now. But I'm going to kill you in front of Bond to prove a point. Even though I'm going to kill Bond just after it. So it just, it just feels like seriously. What, what point are you proving? Bond won't escape. I mean, plot holes will get bigger as this series goes on. Yeah. But um. <laughs> I mean, the, the, I mean, uh, when we get to Goldeneye, the pre-title sequence, though it's quite iconic now, it makes no fucking sense whatsoever. But we, we are seeing it here as well, that you're making a point to somebody, which is fine if you're going to let them escape and report. But if you're going to kill them two seconds later, it's not really worth it. No, I, but, I, but I love these kind of Bond trope plot holes. It just makes me laugh. Yeah, <laughs> it's not... It doesn't hurt the entertainment value, as I say. There's a lot of script problems and a lot of logic problems, but I mean, even by Bond film standards, I mean, mm. they've, they've all got their problems. But the first four were a lot more coherent than this, and and you can see that the formula they built, they were handling as they went along, and they were handling it well. This seems that like they've now worked out what the formula is, and they've given it to someone and said, "Here, do this," and it doesn't quite do it right he does it to the letter but not the spirit sort of it's like one by numbers really isn't it it's the first one i think falls into that category yeah um and yeah i mean the thing is it's sandwiched between two extremely beautiful films in thunderball and majesties um let's be fair this is a beautiful looking film as well it's beautiful locations but i actually think it's a little bit i just think it's a bit grubby compared to what's come before Looks good and it sounds good, but plot-wise, sounds fiddling. Mm. Yeah, and you know Connery quit during this film, so. In summary, three out of five. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I, I mean, we—I don't know if you two are. I'm ranking as I go, and it, it's bottom. Really? Home. Yeah, I'm ranking as I go because we can. We will we'll do wrap-ups at the end. I mean, wrap, do it whenever you want. But at the moment, this is the weakest film we've seen so far. That was my attempt at a death joke. Sorry. <laughs> sorry, did I I'll rank? Oh, sorry, yeah, <laughs> I caught him ranking. <laughs> oh dear, <laughs> sorry. Uh, yeah, it's really. Oh god. 
But um, yeah. So but yeah. So um, what do you think of the uh, the 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 ninja the nin- the ninja assault at the end? The classic Bond. Uh, pe- I like... think that's done really well. Yeah, I think that's really cool. It's one of the best fight scenes in the movie. But it's all done for all this time. All the time, this film falls down on logic. What Bond does when he gets into the lair is pretty logical all the way through. I mean, the, he fired off the cigarette. You know, why didn't he fire at Blofeld? Chris was able to like completely explain why he would do that. No, I know. He gets the, he gets the <laughs> door. He gets the door open to let some of them in to be able to blow it mm. to oh. let them all in. And um, yeah, there's, it's actually just it's reasonably well thought out. Um, there's a lot of like, right, there's quite a lot of. Um, it, it, but like the cigarette thing is a completely stupid move by Blofeld. It's like, oh, of course I'll give you exactly what you want. Why? Of course, it's just a cigarette. <laughs> oh, um, I know. But as I say, it. I would imagine, as I say, if he's not a screenwriter, there will have been all sorts of script conferences, mm-hmm. I'm sure. And this bit of the film, they kind of, they figured it out. They sat down and figured it out. So what happens next? Who's meant to be where? And the the logistics of this whole sequence play really well. Except the only thing you will you do have though is um when when there's gunfights and explosions you get an awful lot of overacting. <laughs> From pe- people and dying and, and a second appearance and a second appearance of uh, Bert Kwok. Of sorry, Bert Kwok. Oh yeah, but Quark. Yeah, you see him again, don't we? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, th- this time over, uh, overdubbed as well. Yeah, he, 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 he doesn't make much of an appearance in this film, does he? So it's kind of very kind of. Well, he's the guy. The he, he's the guy on on the on the uh, monitors doing a countdown, like in T minus. Two seconds and counting. Mm. But there's there's another guy we see. There's a guy in an orange orange jumpsuit, like arbitrarily turning knobs. And I think he also makes another appearance in the Voodoo Kill and maybe some other Bond films in between. There's the guy who, when, when they blow up the craft and there's the guy on the like TV screen saying, it blew up, you know, he's just basically saying, everything's all right, he turns up in The Spy Who Loved Me. Yes! Yeah, the other guy is, he's in, um, obviously, Shane Rimmer we see before. Shane he's Rimmer, in, that's yeah, it. Yeah, Spy Who Loved Me, that's it. Yeah. Um, and then the guy, who, the American, I can't remember his character name, sorry, mm. um, but he's um, Hergesheimer from Diamonds of Forever, so we'll see, we'll see him again. And then one of the American, um, the well, the uh, also I'm terrible with the character names, but um, he played Solo, I think, in Goldfinger, and he's now a, a colonel or general or something. Oh, okay. No, I didn't know. I think, Solo yeah. is the one that I think Solo is the one that's crushed in the car. Yeah, yeah. He needs to get separated from his gold. So. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah we so could have could just gassed him with everyone else. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's why he's recycled as a military. <laughs> But, I mean, they've, they've had a drop in... This film is edited by Peter Hunt, but it very nearly wasn't because he felt he'd been promised the director's chair for this film. Um, and they assembled... That, Lewis Gilbert's Norbert, normal director assembled a not very satisfactory cut. So they got Peter Hunt back and promised him the next film. But it's a cycle we'll see again. Most, notice, mo- most notably, to talk in the space ones, between Moonraker and for your eyes only, that I don't think, they, whether we like or dislike this film, I get the feeling the filmmakers weren't overly delighted with it, because they changed direction hugely for the next film. Yeah. They changed direction, changed the actor. Uh, yeah, they. Ch- I mean, budget. Uh, we get the first budget drop next week as well. You get a new uh, director as well? Uh, yeah, Peter Hunt, who 
just, yeah, his last contribution to the Bond series. And the first contribution from John Glenn we'll get next week as well, who goes on to direct Five in the 80s. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, he edits as if, no. Sorry? No, he's second unit director, John second Glenn. Second unit director, that's No, right. he is editor as well. Oh, yeah. But okay. yes, he does direct second unit on that mm. film. But um, actually, we are getting very close to the sort of end of Lazenby and Connery's era. We've got two films to go. And then we're going to sort of change speed for three weeks. Yes. What we do, what, what we do now? Uh, well, I just thought we'd sort of just sit off and watch a bit of Star Trek. <laughs> <laughs> we're going we're gonna to space out the reviews a bit. We're going to do them in sections. Um, the, Connery, the end of the Connery era albeit with the Lazenby film as well, is a good place to stop and take a pause and do a couple of other things. We'll do the same at the end of the Moore era, and we'll probably do the same at the end of the sort of Dalton-Brosnan section, to, if you like, even though that's not one era. Because do... by, by then, uh, Spectre will be out, so we'll probably do uh, like a, a first initial reaction review of that as well, I think. Yeah, good. Mm, yeah, absolutely. But we've talked of doing commentaries. Yes. Um, if you're listening to this... By now you will have listened to the Thunderball episode. One would hope. One would hope. Fingers crossed. Uh, unless this is just like your favourite film and you've gone straight to this one, it's possible. Yeah. But we, we have talked about doing commentaries and we've actually decided pre-record tonight what those commentaries are going to be. Yes. Um, and we're also going to do a music episode. We have a, a friend who runs a film, web, uh, film score website, Films on Wax, Charlie Brigden. He'll be, dis- he'll be joining us hopefully on more than one occasion to discuss the, the various scores of the Bond films. Either side of that, we will be uh, doing, in this section, we will be recording a commentary on Goldfinger and one on, on A Majesty's Secret Service. Sounds good. Yeah, we will cover all Bonds as we go through them. We, we've got, at the moment, tentatively, we think we'll end up doing 007 commentaries. Um if, although there's six actors, but that, that's just the way the schedule will, will work out. So yeah, we will next week. We've uh, well, next week we've got the, the Lazenby effort. Then we we finished off the Connery era, and then before we get to Roger Moore, we're going to do a couple of commentaries from the era and a little bit on the early scores from the series. Indeed, and if you ever want us to do a commentary for any Bond film, just feel free to either get in contact with us and and or email to what or tweet us. Um, How do they do that, Becca? <gasps> you can find us on Twitter at Expected to Talk. We are now on Facebook, facebook.com slash Expected to Talk. Or you can also email us, Expected to Talk at gmail.com. We're also on iTunes, um, Stitcher, uh, cinematronics.co.uk. Is there anywhere else? That's everywhere, isn't it? Where else? Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I've not put, put it anywhere else. I mean, I could put it on SoundCloud, but. Yeah. We have had, uh, bear with us, folks, we have had a few teething problems with Stitcher. Yeah, for some reason, I, I'll, I won't go into it, but basically I upload it on, on the feed and then I have to go, so so far I have to go email going like, uh, what's going on? And it goes like, yep, yeah, we'll update it for you. I was like, can't you do that automatically? You, you have to chase it, you? Chase them a little bit. So, so I, don't know what's go- I don't know what's going on. If it just, it's, it's a thing where it needs takes a while to be updated, but there you go. Anyway, please come and find us on the social media. So, you know, like all our pages. Come and follow us on Twitter. Um, find us on Facebook. Share it and give us a like. That would be great. Um, and come find us on iTunes. And also, if you could give us a rating, preferably five star rating, and a really glowing review, that will help uh, you know audiences find us. So, thank you so much. 
Yeah, um, we will just say, because we're obviously asking, uh, Chris just put out a call that if there's any specific um, uh, commentaries you want us to do, I guess that we may as well tell you the whole schedule of what we are doing so you don't waste, have to waste your time telling us films we're already going to do. And you can get in your moans first if they aren't the ones you want. Um, so we've told you the first ones. When we get to the end of the Moore era, we're going to do his first and last entry. So we, we will be covering Live and Let Die and A View to a Kill. I can't wait for the view to a kill commentary. That's going to be so much fun. I mean, really, I mean, we're doing Goldfinger and uh, on a Majesty's Secret Service this time. That's about as good as it's going to get from from choices that we've made because these are two films we all kind of admire. Um, Sublimes, they're ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, Then when we get to the end of the uh, Dalton Dalton Brosnan, it's not an era, but we 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 didn't want to do another one after another break after two films. We are going to cover License to Kill, and we are going to cover Die Another Day. Boston's, <laughs> um, Boston's finest role. Okay. I am sure yeah, there did. are some of you listening to this who are like disappointed it's not Goldeneye because it's largely considered his better entry. There's going to be some amongst you who are disappointed it isn't The Living Daylight, it's License to Kill, but our prerogative, License to Kill, is beloved by two of the three of us. Um, That's not to say that I don't like it. I do. I do like oh, it. Oh, I know, but it's, of, it's in mining. Of, of the two Daltons, I, I tend to prefer yeah. um, Living Daylight. So yeah. That's his personal preference. I, I, mean, to to say, I don't like License to Go. I love it, but there it is. But we're going to do License to Go, and we've got to do Die Another Day because it's just too good an opportunity to pass up. <laughs> How can uh, we not do it? Yeah. And when we get to the end of the Craig era, obviously we will only have, like, well, we may have all four on home release by then. We shall see. We shall see. The Craig one is to be decided. We have a few. My, my, my call is Skyfall for now. Yeah, I would say Skyfall too. Okay. Well, as a, te- as a teaser goes, that was shit because we've just told them. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Why hide it? Why it hide it? It's possible. It is possible. It might change, folks. It might change. Of the three that we've got so far, it would be Skyfall. Not because it's our favourite, but because I don't even think we'd talk if we watched Casino Royale. Because it's the it's best the- Craig. Um, Sorry, uh, Skyfall lovers, but yeah, it's true. Well, I mean, you can make an argument for Skyfall; it's just wrong. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> but if, it, it is possible if it, if we if we if it's been out on home release for a while by then, we do reserve the right to switch that to Spectre. But at the moment, Skyfall is is the is the Craig film we're likely to do. So those are the seven reviews. Every Bond is covered at least once. More is covered twice. But uh, I think as somebody who had probably the, the biggest operating window of quality, that's probably, uh, and the longest run and the most number of films, that's probably appropriate. But yeah, if you ever want, want us to cover uh, your particular favourite Bond film... Or uh, the one you think's hilariously awful. Yeah. Because I was all up for doing Diamonds Are Forever, but we would have only reviewed it the week before. So it's a bit too soon. And to be fair, I mean, Goldfinger and... Uh, Goldfinger and On the Majesty's Secret Service are just far, far better films. And Diamonds Are Forever isn't as laugh-worthy as A View to a Killers and um, Die Another Day. It's kind of just... Well, we'll talk it, about it, 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 it. It's the right balance of quality and naffness. Yeah, that's it. It's like, you know, it's like it's the right balance of like films we admire and films we're just going to just have fun with. You don't want seven weeks of us saying, this is amazing. Yes. Um, I think it's important we, we respect some of the better films in the franchise, but when I get to... When we get to Brosnan, in my opinion, at the moment, Die Another Day is more bad than GoldenEye is good. I, I'm, I'm, I, we are going to have more fun watching Die Another Day. <laughs> yeah, it's, <laughs> <so much fun. laughs> it's going to be a straight right. I mean, we, 
the top and tail of the show might get a little bit of editing, but obviously the show, because we've got to match the speed of the Blu-ray, um, we will be watching it without editing. So whatever we say, whatever we cock up, if my cat decides to have an epileptic fit, it's all going... <laughs> um, whatever we say, whatever, whether it's tasteless or... It'll be natural. It'll be in. That worries me with Goldfinger because Chris has already had to cut out quite a bit about Honor Blackman that I said. <laughs> but, but never yes, mind. don't make that. You, don't make that joke again, please. I will not make that joke again. I will, I will not imply. Oh, hang on. No. <laughs> um, so... <laughs> please, please do not say fuck or bugger. Two minutes. She was like really kind of. I'd let myself down. That was the best. <laughs> I'd not just let the podcast down. I'd let myself down. <laughs> Shocking. So that'll start. That'll start in three weeks, folks. Um, uh, yeah. So we we go on to the last two films, and then we will hit a commentary. And after that, whether we do two commentaries in a row or split it with the music episode, that will depend on on our guests' schedule. Awesome source, as they say. Do they? Cool. Oh, that's what I say. So. Right. Uh, Awesome source, definitely. Yeah. So is that anything to do with Bond beating off Blofeld? <laughs> awesome <laughs> source. That, <came> out... <laughs> that could have been his quip after he, you know, wiped it off his chin. That came out so wrong. I'm so sorry about that. I didn't mean that at all. Oh dear. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't mean it to come out like that. <laughs> um, it's not what I meant. Which is, again, it could also be dialogue from that scene. It's also damn tired. Oh. So I have a quick question, right? If it's not, if um, if you're gonna cast Blofeld, uh, obviously, you no, know, you can't say Christoph Waltz. Who would you cast? No. Yeah. God. Because I think Killian Harris would be a good shot. Good shout. Who? You know the he's he's in a lot he's getting a lot of stuff now, but you know the oh, I don't know what I'll put his name. I think his name's Harris. Oh, do you mean um Scarecrow? No, no, oh, that's no, no. Is it no. Murphy? No, no, yeah. Uh, that would be weird casting. No, I okay. think. Hang on. First hang off, on. I thought he meant Jared Harris. Oh, <gasps> he'd be good. Um, I think. I don't know. He's, he's already Moriarty, isn't he? So. I don't know. There's a part of me. You couldn't have done this with Majesties because it, it's physical and everything else. But I, I almost wish we'd never seen Blofeld's face. Oh, sorry. Uh, Siren Hines. Um, Kieran Hines? Oh, Kieran Hines. Oh, from Game of Thrones. Oh, oh I was in Game of Thrones now. Are we talking about the same person? Have you seen um, He's uh, yeah, he's uh, like a, an older fella, sixty-two actually. Fucking hell. Yeah. But uh, but he's in the one in black. He was in, he's in Harry Potter film Rome. Uh, yeah, Ghost Rider I, think, I think that is uh, yeah. No, that is he, he's in he's one he's behind the wall. Um, oh yes, of course. Yeah. That's a really good shout. He might be a bit too old now. Depends what you want to do with the character, really. I mean, obviously, if it is Christoph Waltz, the the theory is he sort of grew up with Bond. And there's too big an age gap there. But if you, if you went along the sort of classic route of Bond didn't know him till he met him sort of thing, that's not a bad shout. Uh, I'm trying to think who else would be a good example. They don't spring to mind, and I think that, that might be because 
like I said, a, a definitive Blofeld hasn't really formed itself in my mind, so I've, I haven't really got an archetype to lead up to. Probably some, like, not not that well-known European actor really probably be, like, the best things to go for, I would have thought. Bruno Gans? Who? Bruno oh, Gans. yeah, that's true. Downfall, played Hitler. Oh. Yeah, he's quite good. He might be too old as well, actually. Bruno Gans, is it? Yeah, he's 74 now. He's way too old. Yeah, he's a bit old, but he would have been good, though. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I, I... Have, you, have you seen that? Have you seen that? I think it's I think it is Downfall, but you've seen that uh, where they put alternate subtitles where... There's been loads of them. <laughs> yeah. He's like, well, he's pissed off that he, did, he, he didn't go to uh, Yorkshire or, yeah. <laughs> or, or, or something like that. I mean, it got a bit overdone, but to be honest, I kind of stopped watching them before I was fed up with them. Every time I saw one of them, I thought it was really funny. Mm. But, uh, but I think it's just something about Hitler just going off on one, in, but complete, but in complete out of context, just it's just funny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But we do see Blofeld again next week. Yes, indeed, we will return with On Her Majesty's Secret Service. That's what we ended up on. That's. Directly taken from the score, folks. Yes. Please don't see me. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>